0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, as always, joined by the great, the, uh, what did I call you before? The, um, the Fresh Prince of McRae, the Sultan of Steel, Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, mate? I need some intro
1: music i've,
0: got, I've just got i've got yeah. john cena in... john cena you can't see me you yeah can't those see me. all right well look maybe that's if i if i find an extra hour or two this week i'll try and get some intro music just for you mate
1: oh i was i did it the other day with um, when a client walked in and I had it all teed up on my phone, and as soon as I heard him coming in, I'm like, press play. So as soon as he steps through, it's like, duh, 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 and I'm
0: like, Shane, can you see him? Where is he?
1: Where, where, where is he?
0: <laughs> It'd be good. Or, we- or even the sound of like a standing ovation, like a slow clap that turns into a standing ovation
1: as you enter the room. <laughs> we take our work very seriously at MindFit. <laughs>
0: it's, a good, it's a good ego practice though, isn't it?
1: That's a great ego practice. It's a beautiful thing. I'm 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 great, mate. I'm um. What am I? Yeah, the Melbourne
0: weather's been. Um, what quite, am I? Well, that's a very deep question. That, well, you said that flippantly, but that's a very deep question. It is.
1: It is. I am just conscious awareness. So, um, um, in that regard, I've just been observing the weather, and and it's it's been really interesting. See, like it's Australian summer. Comes to mind, thirty-five degrees,
0: seatbelt branding. Because when you get in the car, (laughs) it's like I tanned tanned one arm because you've been fat arming it out the taxi arm,
1: taxi (laughs) arm. Yep. Uh, But it's it's been pretty
0: wet and overcast
1: and sort of low twenties for the last week or so. So um, today, today she's popped up, and um, yeah, it's uh, so it's been interesting weather-wise. Life has been great, so we took some time off over Chrissy, um, just from Christmas Eve, went back on the 4th, so uh, just first week back at work this week, um, yes, yeah, so that's been great, home life's been good, we had really great family time over Chrissy, and, and oh, we bought a puppy dog.
0: Oh my God, I've seen the pictures. I yeah. should go and get it.
1: shouldn't I, now no, we're recording, I'll, I'll text them to bring her in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the, the everyone's got to meet Daisy. Yeah, if you're listening on, uh, you know, Spotify or Apple, then um, you can jump on the YouTube channel, the Center for Healing. If you want to see this beautiful puppy, yeah, some of the pictures you put of, of the new puppy and Polly, I'm just like, I, I was showing Mel, and Mel's like, we're getting a puppy as soon as we get back to Australia, aren't we? I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so awesome, man. Like Polly's eight, and she's the first day she was just like. Dad, Dad, what is this thing? What's this creature? It smells different. It's doing weird things. It's making weird noises. Dad, Dad. And then she slowly over the next day or two started relaxing. And and Daisy's been great. Daisy just loves her and just runs up and, ah, play with me. Ah, you're my sister. Ah." And so, yeah, they were just having a good old wrestle. But Daisy's 1.8 kilo. Jesus. Uh, She's 1.8 kilograms. Polly's 38 kilos. (laughs) So it's like it's like andre the giant versus a little child
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: that's classic but polly's great she just lays there and sort of lets us daisy get her and
0: it's funny so. watching the um cuz you know dogs are obviously a, a herd uh animal you know and pack like animal. pack animal sorry that's a better word yeah and they'll always there'll be that little integration period of like hang on is this is this new entity is this going to be a new member of the pack we had it when i had disco and then we had tommy um and i was like oh how's he gonna to react to having a little baby because disco he yeah, was a rock wheel, a massive bloody dog and yeah for the first few days or maybe a week just constantly just smelling smelling getting kind of yeah. freaked freaked out when he was crying like what is this <laughs> what is this little puppy doing and um but then all of a sudden there's this moment where they just Saying, welcome them into the yeah. pack, and then they're very, you know, protective and and gentle and beautiful, and it's it's really interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, it's it's nature like literally in action, and and Daisy just keeps running into Polly's bed and trying to curl up next to her, and Polly's like, this is my bed, it's my territory, Arr. and now <laughs> it's, it's like it's like humans when you get a doggy, like right, it's not coming in the bedroom, it's not coming in the carpeted rooms, so it's only staying here and it's definitely not on the beds and the next thing all right so that just in the bedrooms but not up on the bed and then the next week it's in bed and then yep. the next week it's taken yep. over your whole bed you know it's just so you can't help it and i think polly's experiencing the same thing so
0: it's so hard to say no to a cute puppy you know, I remember mean, we did that with Disco when he was little and I'm like, all right, number one rule, is just not coming on the couch. And then a yeah. day later, I'm cuddling on the couch. My, ex- <laughs> my ex-wife's like, I thought we said not on the couch. I'm like, but look at him. And you then know, next, shut thing, up. Ne- next, next thing we know, he's like 60 kilos and he's laying on me on the couch. And I'm like, yeah, probably shouldn't have like let him on the couch when he was a puppy.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to do that with the kids and even with Emma. Like I'm trying to be the strong one. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm no, you know, put it down. Oh, but look at her. And I'm like, yeah, but in a year, she's going to be 30 kilos yeah. and doing this, <laughs> and it's going to annoy you. And you're going to go, get off the couch. I'm like, but you've created this.
0: Yeah, that's right. You've uh, programmed
1: to, it early on. We have to do it for now, what we want it to do later.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh no, it's good fun. I think it's good fun having a new, you know, the energy of a puppy in the house.
1: Yeah, totally. She's um, she's just a little machine. She's she's all she's like a gremlin drinking water after midnight. She's like all teeth and I'm just eating everything. And then all of a sudden, she's just asleep and she's just like. Rrr. She looks like a bat sometimes. She looks like a possum. She looks like a mouse. She's. Yeah, she's uh, I, I know, I know how it is for you now being a father, you know, it's just, just keeping me up all night. I've got to take, I've got to change her nappy twice a night. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not as bad as having a baby, but um,
0: no, nah, look, Nick, I uh, let's not make the comparison. No, nah, okay, <laughs> I, was, I was trying I was trying
1: to poke the bear there, but uh,
0: when I, when I had, yeah, when I had just I was a puppy and that, and I would always, oh, now I know what you know, being a parent feels like and that. Um and then I had a baby, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have made that comparison. (laughs) Uh, All good. Anyway, before we press record, I wanted to press record because he was starting to talk about you know atom bombs and all that kind of stuff. Um so I thought better press record. You said you had an affinity for the man who made the atom bomb. I didn't have an affinity for (laughs) (laughs) somebody. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I've misquoted you there, Nick, sorry
1: I, I believe you have, Ryan And I think you what, made what, a Freudian slip there
0: Can you um, elaborate? What, what were you talking about So we
1: were, we were talking about social media
0: And mm. you, you recently watched the social The Social Dilemma on Netflix dilemma, A lot yeah, of people listening would, would, would have seen it Would they have? Yeah, I think, you know, I was, I was a bit late to the party, but when it first came out um, on Netflix, I think, yeah, a lot of people sort of jumped on and had it. It was one of those right. po- popular ones when it first came out.
1: Uh, so a lot of listeners may have may haven't mm-hmm. seen it. And, um, yeah, and you were saying about the guy who created the algorithm to, you know, watch the next video and watch the next video. And then an hour later, deep down a rabbit hole. The, yeah, the, the, the suggested guy. video algorithm, yeah, algorithm on YouTube. Yeah. And so, and I said, well, it, 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 it's not akin, but it, it does, or oh, leads my mind to thinking about, you know, so he, he's now trying to, the guy who created this algorithm is now trying to help people to not get stuck in that, in that loop that he's created. Yeah. So he's sort of had this... Um, moral dilemma um, because of the social dilemma, and I just, I just yeah, I thought about the people that made the atom bomb or or who've created you know nuclear warheads or sort of mechanisms or or ways in which to harm other human beings. And now whether it's mental or physical, it's, it's it, yeah, you, you wonder what kind of person could do that and then and then how do they live the rest of their days, you know, hearing, oh, this was dropped on 10 million people dead mm. because of this. Yeah.
0: You know. It's like I think it's it's all, all, a lot of these things are, are created with really good intentions. And then there's just that we just don't have the foresight to be able to see. So here, here's an example that comes to mind for me is um the the scientist the doc, who invented fentanyl right so so fentanyl um is just kill, it's killing more people than heroin now, um, wow. especially in the US. Because if fentanyl. So what, what does fentanyl do so, for you? So fentanyl is an opiate. Okay, so right. it's a painkiller. So it's great it's,
1: album, by the way. Great
0: it's, album. It's like um, it's like uh, so morphine. So you go to a hospital, you got surgery, whatever's going on, you get morphine. Morphine is heroin. It's just actually a much more pure form of, of heroin. It's pharmaceutical grade, yeah. um, and, and and that is used just in In every hospital around the world, it's been used for a very long time. So you can imagine the amount of morphine you know this opiate being used in hospitals around you know the country or the world is is massive. So this scientist created fentanyl, which is a it's way more potent. It's like it's something like one hundred to five hundred times stronger. Than morphine, which means you would you need that? Morphine's pretty potent. So, so here's why, because you need such a tiny amount of it to have the same pain killing effect. It, it, the idea of making it was it would save hospitals millions and millions of dollars and ease the strain on healthcare. Right when it comes to money, this is why he uh, created it. Okay, this is, why this is where I'm going. It's like created with a very it's good in- the double-edged sword coming up. It's it's created with a good intention. So he's created this compound and he's and he's been working at it for so long. And he goes, I'm going to be able to help our healthcare system in America so much. I'm going to save so much money that money can be put into other things as opposed to buying all of this morphine because now this thing is you know one hundredth um of the amount of what morphine is. So it's created with very good intentions. But like anything, you know, fentanyl goes from hospitals into the streets. And now if you've got a drug, a compound that's that strong, uh, getting your dose right is just very, very hard. And so people overdosing on fentanyl left, right, and center because it's just so, so potent. Or they might they might be getting heroin, but it's mixed with fentanyl and they take their normal dose and overdose. So fentanyl <clears throat> is now killing massive amounts of people, but it was created with this really good intention, you know, of, of um of the man if you
1: forgot that the people using it were human beings and they're not very <laughs> responsible, or, you know. So that's right. And that's I kind mean, of what,
0: what's happening with the, uh, you know, when I watch The Social Dilemma. <laughs> and it's these people who were, you know, yeah, working for YouTube or Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram really early days. And, um, it's like, you know, we're gonna be able to, you know, connect people all around the world. And this is just this beautiful thing that we're creating. And now it's like you just it's very hard to have the foresight of what something can become. And it's like, you know, I think um was it Jack Dorsey, I think, is one of the founders of Twitter. And you know, now he's having so much uh issues around you know what should be censored and not because it's you know because literally these platforms, box, isn't it? They, these platforms can swing the way uh swing elections like mm-hmm. by purely what they will post and he goes when we were in a garage trying to help people connect and share some pictures of themselves water skiing on the weekend we didn't think that we would have to be making these decisions that infect that affect nations you know mm-hmm. so it's just like once again like we're just we're just human beings at the end of the day and um you know all of these things are designed to addict us and one of the guys who created Pinterest and worked for Facebook it's so funny because he started creating you know these algorithms that will get people you know addicted to checking their phone and he said even though I know I know exactly I helped create it when I went go home with my family, I couldn't stop checking my phones. Even though I had all, I understood it perfectly what it was trying to do. I still couldn't stop myself. So he's he's ended up deleting all his apps and um getting a flip phone mm. or something because he can't control himself, even though he created it.
1: That's yeah. Well, the same with the person who invented the atom bomb. You know, maybe their mindset was I'm going to save millions of lives or I'm going to I'm going to help end a war, but the you know so many people died because of the atom bomb as well and yeah it's that's all the double-edged swords I think we're just irresponsible at the end of the day I mean like things we we take things and we just bastardize it all we we and everything can be used for good or evil they're all just tools at the end of the day social media is a tool but you look at Donald Trump at the moment you know he's you know he's tweeting to his protesters and the that are run over the Capitol building he's sort of fanning their flames a bit through social media and Twitter's had to Block his (laughs) accounts. Like, like, imagine having to block the leader of America' his Twitter account because he can't use it properly.
0: And these are yeah these are these decisions that people have to make. I think as humans we just well, should, we,
1: should we have to should we get tested? Should we should we before instead of just being randomly allowed to join Facebook, should we should we have to do some social media training or should we have to cuz it's just a free for all at the moment. It's, there's no there's no educating, there's no this is a tool, this is how to use the tool.
0: Yeah, but the problem is um, they the, the whole commodity I suppose of social media is attention. It's like they want people's attention because oh, it's people, money, people. Well, yeah. Well, people will pay advertising dollars um, mm-hmm. for, for that attention. So based on that attention, the more attention a social media platform has, the more data they can collect. The more data they can collect, the more they can predict people's behaviors. The more they can predict people's behaviors, the better uh, quality advertising you get. Like I, I advertise on Facebook. For our courses and I was feeling a bit guilty about advertising on Facebook after watching the social dilemma um, because they getting to a point where they can more and more accurately predict you know what a person's uh, going to do next or what what content they're going to be able to look at next or even you know they spoke about just subtly like uh, subtly altering people's behavior so it's imperceivable to them and and, and this is when it can get into you know uh, a lot of issues
1: it sounds like NLP.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. And used in the wrong hands.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it's just, it's, yeah, you're right. It is. It, it's money. So wherever the money is, that's where it'll kind of go. So I think it's it's up and to it us be to very, take ownership.
1: It would be very difficult for the creator of a social media platform who has probably sold it for a couple of billion, by the way, anyway. But, um, you know, he's he's going to go, oh, no. Yeah, we've got a million people wanting to use it, but we have to do—we have to put them through training. Not everyone's going to be responsible with this resource that we're giving them. So only, you know, eight hundred thousand are going to get through. They'll be looking at two hundred thousand worth of data that they then can't sell, and they'll be like, "Oh, no, we're being silly."
0: Yeah, but it's kind of weird because the the whole beauty of the internet was that it was just free speech. It was like you could go on there and it was a free-for-all. That was what was so beautiful about YouTube is you could go on there and you could literally find anyone that says anything and there was no kind of restrictions. And then obviously as YouTube gets bigger, money gets involved, investors get involved. Now there's censorship. Now, you know, if I search something to do with, you know, Uh, Covid, you know, it won't, it won't get shown or there's certain things with, you know, presidential or any sort of uh, controversial topic is getting censored, but now people crave that free speech so much that now other platforms are being created that don't have censorship. Like the guy, um, Brian Rose from London real, I think he's created a whole platform um, because so many people are getting sick of YouTube because it is, it's just so it's so censored now um, that it's not what it once was.
1: Mm-hmm so the people aren't getting what they want.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's um, you know, it's very interesting. But once again, you know, it's, it ties back into, you know, a lot of these platforms are designed to keep us on them, you know, and keep us keep us addicted. So we have to
1: be more mindful and and where where am I right now and how long have I been down this rabbit hole for and you know what do I actually want to be doing with my time and energy instead of just mindlessly spending it because we can't get that time and energy back
0: yeah that's right yeah and it's like yeah i you know myself you know and i try and i'm I'm definitely not perfect at this but you know i try my best to just set some boundaries for myself around this stuff like i have you know all notifications turned off on my phone except for a uh direct message um, mm-hmm. only on messenger. So the Instagram, all the other messages are all off, no notifications um, and then taking the planned breaks from the phone as well. And also if you're um, going out for dinner, just leaving the bloody phone at home, like mm-hmm. just, just how experience life, you know, like I I took, um, I might do it again this month, but la- last January, I did about six weeks where I literally didn't have a phone. I put it in my drawer for six weeks and you, you realize how little you're missing out on when you get back on your phone after an extended break and you're like, Oh, what have I missed out on? You go through your notifications and you go, I didn't miss anything. <laughs> like I literally didn't miss anything. What, but what I did is I didn't spend however many hours a day just staring at that bloody screen.
1: Someone, a client of mine the other day said a wake up call when they got a notification on their phone that they're spending nine hours a day oh, on their phone.
0: Oh My Lord. Whew. Nine so a lot hours of that,
1: a day. A lot of that was gaming, like yep. poker, online
0: poker, and you
1: know, I don't know what else. But um,
0: yeah, nine hours.
1: So it, it was a wake up call for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, just having that awareness where you can check is often can be a bit of a wake up call for people because it becomes very, very uh, unconscious. You know, I've even started um, wearing a watch again. I haven't worn a watch for a long time, but I've been starting to wear a watch again so I can check the time on my watch because I've noticed I use my phone to check the time, you know, and maybe, Hmm. you know, one out of every five times that I check the time, I open the phone as well, just unconsciously. So it's like I'm just going to start wearing a watch so I don't have to even look at the time on my phone, you know. It's just all of these things because it's, you know, imagine we got like, you know, the scientists, you know, designing these things to keep us hooked on them so we're really we're up against an uphill battle here when it comes to that it's like the food industry you know like you know people using flavors and textures with potato chips and everything to try and create the most addictive you know snacks there is possible in a scientific lab and our our poor little personal will has to fight against all of that science
1: well, I think that's where it comes back to being responsible for our own happiness and being diligent for our own health, mental and physical, and, and having an awareness that there is a system, whether we like it or not. There is a, you know, in a utopian world for those of us who are more compassionate, I suppose, there wouldn't be scientists in labs and, and computer boffins trying to create all these ways to make us spend and to get us, you know, to... Into these really unhealthy habits, but um that's the reality it's the world we live in, so it falls upon us to to learn how to be diligent in that kind of world.
0: do you think we have a a very like short you know foresight as human beings like we kind of we, we, we think maybe you know into the future, maybe in our lifetimes, but we tend to not think. You Know what impact is this going to have in uh 100 years or 500 years or whatever it is? I mean, oh,
1: totally. I think we're, we're, we're very you can you can tell it just by we're quick fix people, we stick mm. band aids on, on the symptoms, we, we just want things now. I want it now, I want it now. It's that you know, the dopamine hit, it's just, just give it to me now, and yeah, we'll let the future generation deal with it or we'll deal with it tomorrow. Or you know, but ever so many people are just stuck in this survival mode. Mm. So when you're in survival mode, you know. Yeah, You've just got your head above water. You, you don't have a capacity to really look around and, and be more mindful and and just sort of consider what are the ramifications of my decisions and choices.
0: So, yeah, it's one of the beautiful... So many
1: people aren't present.
0: The beautiful quote that I love, I don't know if I'll get it right, but it's the, the wise man um, plants a tree knowing that he'll never be the one who enjoys the shade of sitting underneath it. You know, I think yep. that's, that's beautiful, you know, to be able to, to leave things in, in a better place than, than what we, what we have them now.
1: So I imagine
0: if we could start doing that a little bit more just in our daily lives. And
1: that's, it's as simple as, you know, ex army, so clan as you go plus hospitality as well. And, but I also I I can't even remember who it was from early on that, um, leave a room the same or better than what you found it. Yeah, and I love it. Like I'll, I'll make a cup of tea, and then I'll refill the kettle for the next person. It's sort of pay, it's this pay it forward
0: mentality. That's so funny. I have the exact same thing, and I, I actually got it from my first my first boss when I was an air conditioning mechanic. And I think he just said it really flippantly. It wasn't like a hard rule that he said all the time. He just flippantly, like you go on and doing a job. And then just, just leave it how you found it, which means if, you know, you made any type of mess, clean it up, vacuum, bloody all that stuff. But then, yeah, I, I really adopted that into all other areas of my life. It's become a real program now. So if I'm not um, staying at an Airbnb, even if I know they're going to have a cleaner come afterwards, you know, I make the bed and clean everything up before I go because it just, you know. And being considerate. Well, it comes back and I think did, uh, you might have done this post um, yesterday or the day before and i think you even said in the post you're not sure if you agree with it because it's black or white thinking but it's worth talking about but it's one of my favorite quotes and that's um how you do anything is how you do everything hmm. and and it, yeah,
1: well, it was it was, a, it was an absolute language it's like yeah i, I still it, it's it's a very yeah blanket rule so but i, I love the philosophy of it. i love the the concept of it so you know, as I said in my post, how you make your bed, if you take your time with it and, and, and actually do it to a standard that you, f- you feel good about, um, but you get up and, and create enough time to do it, then that's how you'll move through the rest of your day, where if you yeah. just get up and just you're in a rush already because you've hit snooze and blah, 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 blah then you know, you're going to be in that rushed state for the rest of the day as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's like if you're doing something – you know what's an example here? I could probably use making the bed, but if you're trying to do something where you're trying to uh, you maybe take a shortcut and you're like oh that's that's good enough, even though you know it's not good enough but you're like it's good enough and you're like, "But well, who cares? It's just making the bed. but that kind of attitude then might bleed into relationships, it might bleed into your work, it might bleed into your relationship with money and you're always kind of looking for a shortcut or something that's just good enough when you know you could yeah. be doing a little bit better.
1: yeah, totally. But I think it—I uh, I do it because it makes me feel better. I, I, mm. You know, paying it forward for someone else or whatever, or, or leaving something a certain way—I know someone else is going to benefit from it. So it's not about me; it's about somebody else. And I don't do it because I want thanks or because I want to be seen to be a, a thoughtful person, or whatever. It's just it's, it's purely because I—I um, I go to bed that night feeling like I've—I've I've I've made somebody else's day a bit easier.
0: Yeah, but you do it because it makes you feel good. It's like every everything we do at the end of the day is selfish, even if we do it for someone else. Do you agree? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, on 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 a really deep level, totally. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not yeah, and it's um. Well, I don't know. Do you do it? Do you do it because it makes you feel good? It's good. It's a it's a good one to unpack because the end result is that it does feel good. You know, it's just yeah. like.
0: Uh, So so I imagine, let's say that I leave the the, the Airbnb and it's, you know, sparkling and nice. And then, so in my head, you know, I can't imagine either the owner or someone coming in and going, oh man, that's so nice. He left this in such a good state, but then that makes me feel good. You know what I mean? It's like even, even mother Teresa.
1: but the, the intent is not for you to feel good. That's just a byproduct. The intent uh, is for you to make someone else's life easier.
0: The, the more I investigate this, the more I think I'm doing it because it makes me feel good. No, you're
1: not. <laughs> the, the intent isn't to make you feel good. It's I, I know you and I know you're, you'd be doing it for other people. So... It's, you know, it's, it's the fill in the kettle thing. It's, it's, it's not because I can have a bit of head wobble and look at me. Look yeah. how considerate I am. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not an ego thing at all.
0: True. I guess I'm not like, um, you know, I, I'm talking about it now, but I'm not like, you know, call, calling someone up and going, hey, that Airbnb, I'll say that I left it in immaculate condition.
1: <laughs> You're not posting it on Facebook. Oh, uh, no, look what I just did, everyone. That's just part of who you are. It's just you know, it's uh, words to describe Ryan would be considerate, mindful, thoughtful, generous. You it, know all these things. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's another yeah, another quote I like as well is you know, who, who are you when no one's watching? Mm. You know, I like that one as well.
1: Uh, I think it's um, to expand it. I think it's integrity is is what you do when no one's watching or something mm. along those lines. So it's you know. If you're walking down the street and there's heaps of people around you, you see some litter on the ground and you pick it up and you sort of give a little glance around to make sure everyone's watching and then you put it in the bin and <laughs> you walk up and you're like, oh, yeah. "Yeah," and everyone's like, oh, did you see that guy? Oh, how thoughtful. You know. But if you do it at pitch black, midnight, no one else is around you to do, pick up the rubbish and put it in the bin, that's, that's the integrity part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also depends what story you put around it as well. It's like a, there's a bit of litter on the ground. And so the situation in front of me is saying, I'm going to pick that up and put it in the bin. But then if I, then you have a story and then you're like, well, who did this? People shouldn't be littering. Did someone throw that out their window? What a dickhead. You know, I think. I, well, that's,
1: that's, that's unnecessary suffering. Yeah.
0: Gone into, yeah. You've gone I'll, into I'll,
1: mind. Yeah, totally. But um, to expand on that one, that's the, the standard you walk by is the standard that you set. Mm. And uh, I, that really resonated when I don't know if you remember, but in Frankston last year or the year before there was a big king hit incident right okay And there's three blokes walking down the street um, and this is on CCTV and a guy's walking this way and the guy on the right just absolutely polices this dude for no reason other than he just wanted to hit someone. and the other two blokes, just stood there and then just started laughing like ah oh, ha, oh, oh. and so they set that standard. And they were immediately in that moment just as culpable as that bloke. You know, they didn't. There was no ramifications for his actions from from those two other people. So it was it was pretty shocking to to see, really.
0: Yeah, no, that's horrible. That kind of thing. It um yeah. it really is. But you're right, it does it, it? It sets a standard of who you are as a human being, and sometimes we. uh we have such a, a desperate need to fit in. And this ties back to, you know, those core beliefs you talk about, you know, I must be liked or loved and, and that kind of thing. Mm. And, and sometimes we'll sacrifice our own integrity just to fit in. And sometimes the harder thing to do in situations, it doesn't have to be an extreme situation like, you know, someone king hitting someone, but, you know, just maybe, you know, a friend saying or doing something and the easy thing to do is just let it slide. But, you know, a real friend will um, will speak up and, and pull you up on it and speak with integrity. I think that's a, it's, we're going with a lot of sayings and quotes today, but it's like, um, remember this one. It's like, uh, you know, a true friend speaks well of you. Um, behind your back and speaks the hard truth to your face, whereas most people mm. will sp- say speak nice to your face and speak bad behind your back. Yeah, well you can tell a lot of person
1: about how they talk to the waiter and how they speak to the waiter is how they're going to speak about you later on as well. Yeah. So, I uh, I was at a um, workshop years ago and and one of the speakers I think I've said this before in a podcast, but it was um who here's got a best friend everyone put their hand up and he said all right keep your hand up if that best friend you know when you get fired from work or go through a breakup whatever they come over with a bottle of wine and they're like oh what a bastard what a bitch oh what a, what a prick of a boss oh, i can't believe that you know enable this pity party and and the majority of the room left their hand up and he said i've got news for you that person's a good friend but they're not your best friend your best friend is a person who goes, Oh fuck man, sorry to hear that. That's, that's really tragic. Let's, let's go out and um, you know, go for a run or go for a hike. Or let's go and You know, they, they don't enable you to stay in that destructive mm-hmm. um, that, that, that unnecessary suffering.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I've been watching, someone added me to a, to a group on Facebook uh, called the Victorian brotherhood. And it's actually a, a really beautiful group. i um, you know, sometimes uh, something will pop up and it's just, anyway, it's a bunch of blokes. Oh, hang on. I'm stopping what I'm saying because Nick's brought his little puppy dog in. If you're not watching on YouTube, jump on YouTube right about now. Oh my gosh. Puppies, Hello, Daisy. Puppies are the best, aren't they? Hello, Daisy.
1: Who's this? Say hi, Ryan. Hi, Daisy. Hi. 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 Oh, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm teeny tiny. I'm getting puppy clucky. <laughs> Jump
0: up
1: here. There you go. <laughs> <Is> that, good? <laughs> that good there? So you're saying you, you joined a brotherhood
0: of St. Lawrence or something. Someone, <laughs> um, <laughs> someone, the stone, the stone, the stone cutters, um, someone uh, just yeah, added me to a group and I've just, I, I just sort of, uh, watch because I find it interesting. And it's actually a beautiful group. It's called Victorian Brotherhood, and it's just blokes in Victoria. And it's actually blokes really sharing stuff, you know, from the heart or their struggles or, or that kind of thing. And um, it's kind of you know, men being vulnerable. And it's it's actually I would say, you know, ninety percent. It's it's wonderful. It's positive. But I, I I'm really interested because oftentimes it'll be like oh, you know, it's the anniversary of my father passing away or there's some time and and they're posting you know a beer and like who's having a drink with me you know or what's everyone drinking tonight and it's sort of it's a real uh this this Aussie men's culture kind of thing that it's like you know I'm you know if it's the anniversary of someone who passed away or I'm going through a tough time in my life I'm gonna drink some alcohol and then everyone else in the group's like yeah i'm drinking this tonight and i'm drinking this so whilst i think it is a really really positive group it's just interesting to watch our our cultural reaction we have to maybe stressful times in in our lives especially as men yeah
1: so but does everyone enable that Drinking culture, got yeah. Try.
0: So it's very, it's. I, I don't go through and read. It's it's a very interactive group, which is great. So I don't go through and read all the comments, but it's 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 yeah. It's it's sort of the it, it's all it's enabled. I wouldn't uh, see. I've never seen anyone in the group sort of say, "Hey, try something different," <laughs> as opposed to um to having a beer. Um, but yeah, it's just it's interesting to watch, you know, interesting to watch mm. that 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 culture and kind of how as men we, you know, are programmed to deal with these things. Because oftentimes I think we get programmed that way growing up. We're kind of, as we're in our imprinting phase when we're younger, we often see our old man, you know, reaching for a beer or whatever it is whenever there's times of stress. Yeah,
1: but that's the, the, that's the typical go-to, isn't it? That's what we're all conditioned to do is coping mechanism, what am I going to do to make me feel better? It's alcohol's the, the, the usual reach yeah. But we're uh, we're we're off it until May, M and I. We're we're not drinking until the end of May.
0: Ah oh, beautiful, mate.
1: Yeah, so that's gonna be uh it's
0: gonna be nice. You <laughs> Although
1: eat. I found there you go. I found on my birthday we went out for birthday drinks, so it wasn't a news resolution thing, but it was um we planned it before that. But we went out for uh, drinks on my birthday, December twenty ninth, and end up at this Irish bar in Mornington. I said, oh, you know, he goes, what are you out for? I said, That's my birthday. We just been out for dinner and we are just coming in for one or two drinks before we headed home. And he goes, oh, here you go, mate. Happy birthday. And he gave me this shot of whiskey. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I'm not going to shoot it, but I'll, I'll sip on it. And um, I had the first sip and it was honeycomb flavoured whiskey. Ah, oh, yum. Oh, my God. And I'm like, fuck. And he's like, yeah, it's good. And I'm like, oh, my. Good Lord. So I ended up buying a bottle the next day. And so we had a couple on New Year's Eve. Yep. And then uh, when
0: we had something else on
1: the 3rd or the 4th, I went up to Ballarat. So, yes, stopped drinking on Monday. Um, so now we've got, you know, three quarters of a bottle of this honeycomb whiskey just sit <laughs> in there whispering, we'll see you in May. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> yes, we can hear the call. Hey, uh, what, what do you do when we're talking about being a good friend? What do you do when somebody doesn't, you know, we call people out on things or reflect things to them or, you know, we, we don't enable them. But it reaches a point where people get sick of that. You know, a lot of people aren't open to that. A lot of people struggle with you telling them the hard truth. So
0: what are, where do you where do you go in that instance? Yeah. Can you stop moving your microphone around? That's I'm telling I'm telling you it. the hard truth. I'm just doing it and I'll pull it back. I'm just gonna take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um look, yeah, for for me, I just I'm very, very aware of you know how where the boundaries are with certain friends, you know. There's, I, I have, well,
1: I, I, do, you, do you know if they've got a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Do you know if they're open to evolving and
0: this or? It's, I don't. Some it, Sometimes, like it's, I, I can't say, well, this friend's got a, a fixed mindset all the time because sometimes people, I think they'll switch, you know, people might have a fixed mindset for six months, then all of a sudden, the next six months, they'll have a growth mindset and then they might revert mm. back, you know, mm. um, but you know there's there's certain friends that i have that i have i know there's no qualms i can call them out and that, that's what i like in friends like with someone like i live <laughs> i live with melissa she calls me out all, all daily right but I, <laughs> but, but, but I but i like that i like being you know humbled and told if i need to lift my game somewhere and that's fine um Does I balance it up- that with what you're doing well though uh she's working on that <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm being I'm being a little bit harsh. She is good. She's she's very very complimentary. No, she does balance it out well. <laughs> I just my, I I just I just uh, you, you
1: know she doesn't listen to these podcasts so you can say what you like.
0: Oh, I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's quite good. But obviously, you know, like as human beings, the uh, the criticism we tend to uh, give more weight to, and we might might ruminate on a little bit more. So even if it is balanced, you just tend to ruminate on the on the other, the, uh, the negative. So you know. But then there's there's certain friends that I know that you know if I I, I won't give them too many hard truths unless I see them really starting to spiral out of control. You know, yeah. and then there's friends that are that are in the middle of that. You know, where I know oh, there's a, there's a time and place for it.
1: I've got I've got a person in my life who is is a wonderful person, but they're struggling with stuff at the moment, mm. and and so they, are um, you know, I see them being disrespectful. I see them, uh, you know, staying in their comfort zone. I see them. You know, um, just not putting in, uh, just, just, yeah, not being who they are, and it's not. I don't judge them for it because we all have these. You know, I've I've been there. I've I've been that person. Um, So I'm not coming at this from a derogatory perspective or anything. But it's I I don't know how to speak to them because if you try and talk to them, if you try and say. Oh, hi, mate did you notice you just today could you do this instead that they're, they're just it's just gonna flare them up even more and have an adverse effect so mm. then you end up walking around on eggshells around them but then that doesn't do anyone any good either so it's it's sort of like you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't
0: yeah because there's also um, an issue of kind of proximity as well and you know if it's certain friends or or family members and that kind of thing then you know it's often better hearing a message from someone else
1: Mm. you know
0: it's like we when you know at the at the center if we let's say had a you know a family member like you know let's say you know mel's mom or something wanted a session then mel wouldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) she said they wouldn't do it we'd get someone else or if you know the one of the the girls partners wanted a session then then i'd do it you know because it's like when we it depends as well on the history we have with that person. if there's a certain history with that person, it gets very, very hard to be able to see things a different way and not get defensive. you know like that's a,
1: that's, in a cl- that's in a clinical setting, but this is in a personal setting. so this hmm. is this is this this is not at the center or this is not a mind fit. this is just in in, in a personal life.
0: Yeah, once again, like it might be worth. I would speak to if 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 I'm running into that issue, then I would speak to friends around this person, and sort yeah. of have a bit of a take counsel and maybe get it, get um, people to approach from a few different angles. And because there'll be someone that they they resonate with and will be able to take on the message. And even though yeah. and even though someone who does get defensive and that kind of thing, it's like seeds are getting planted, and it's like they will germinate at some point. At sometimes yeah. people just aren't. You have the they don't have the capacity to kind of receive a message, you know, yeah. but it just takes a, a so message. Get a,
1: you get a, you got to dump the information and then just leave it there.
0: But then also it's like, you know, depending on the situation, you have to also protect your own energy, you know? So yeah. if it's like, if it's someone that you um, are around a lot, then it's not like you can kind of just leave them be. Like say, if it's a coworker that you see every day, you know, I can't just say, I'm not going to, you know, speak to them until they get the message you also just kind of need to set your own boundaries i think as well and just let them know you know what you are and aren't willing to tolerate
1: it's an interesting one though if you know they have to be in your life then you set a boundary but if they don't agree with that boundary they're not going to respect the boundary so they're going to keep crossing the boundary that's true aren't they
0: that's true that's true um it, it would depend on it would depend on what the boundary is, I suppose, as to whether you can make it uncrossable or not. You know, you'd have to get really down into specifics um, in in that instance.
1: It's it's yeah, you got to look at the dynamics of the relationship too, and all that sort of stuff. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it becomes individual. It's very hard because it's like. You know, because you can set boundaries, but like, can that boundary get crossed? Is there a way I can set a boundary that that isn't going to get crossed, or there's ramifications if it does get crossed? You know, and yeah. the, the, the closer the person is, I mean, the, the harder that gets because the boundaries get very, very blurred um, in that situation.
1: Well, you just got to pick your moment, I suppose, don't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, like with my, you know, if it's like for me, if it's like family or close friends, like this, I just know there's a point where I just have to accept them. Who they are? I'm not trying mm. to, you know, change mm. in any way. But like, I'm at a point I don't live with my parents anymore, so it's <laughs> like I don't, I don't have to literally see them every day. If I if I was living with my parents, then, I'm, you know, th- there'd have to be discussions around boundaries because, you know, I, you can't get away.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I had a client come in yesterday, and he's I think he's three or four weeks into his. Twelve-week program, and he, he he did the classic, and I love it when clients get to this point. He's like, Nick, I'm starting to see it everywhere. You know, that's, <laughs> he's starting to see how much suffering he's creating for himself, but then he's like, Oh, all my friends are doing it too. And I'm like, are they? Oh, that's interesting. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I said to him, mate, you've got to be really careful not to fall in the trap of trying to fix them or change them because, a, they're either ignorant to the fact that they're doing it, or b, they don't want to change. It's just they're normal. It's just what they're used to. So just focus on you, and and when when you just when you grow, people may look at you and go. Oh, what are you doing? Have you have you had a haircut? Have you done something new? You know, what have you if you lost weight? You know, I know a bit of emotional weight perhaps, but um <laughs> you know, when you lead by example, those that are ready for it will will be affected by it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's all, you know, this you know, frequency without getting too woo-woo, frequency and vibration. And no, I get woo-woo. And when yours start to change, it's like a tuning fork. If you put tuning forks in a room together, they'll eventually synchronize. It's even, they did a study with um, like, you know, grandfather clocks with the pendulum and they, mm. put a ho- they put a whole heap of them in a room and they're all, you oh. know, sw- swinging at different rates. And after a day or two, they were all synchronized to the largest clock. Wow. How, how cool is that, right? So this is this, you know, this, this resonance that happens. And oftentimes when we start to work on ourselves without getting caught up, because once again, like if we're talking about vibration, we can start to do this emotional and mental work and kind of raise our own vibration. But if then we start to see in other people and then try and change or fix them, we're just lowering our own vibration. Because mm-hmm. the whole the whole energy of fixing is a problem. Mm-hmm. right like there's a, mm-hmm. if i if i feel like i need to fix someone what is that telling someone it's telling them they're broken in some way it's probably yeah. it's yeah. probably reinforcing their own story of deficiency by me saying totally. i need to fix you you know um and i think we've spoken about this before it's like I, if i'm working with a drug addict like i don't need to fix you there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> who, who you are is beautiful it's golden but <clears throat> if you want to change this behavior on the surface right how you, now how you're we-
1: operating is the issue
0: yeah, exactly. And so then all we of a change, sudden- We don't
1: change the person.
0: Exactly. And this is why you'll find that we can start to affect people without doing anything. Because imagine if we walk into a situation and we're the big grandfather clock because we have doing this work, then other people might start to synchronize to that and we can start to raise them up. Other people, that might be too intimidating for them um, unconsciously um, and that's okay too. It's not up to us. Other people's journey isn't up to us, even if they're like really close friends or that kind of thing. Like we can't shoulder that responsibility.
1: We can't take ownership over other people's happiness because we've got a big enough job maintaining our own equanimity and state of mind.
0: Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, I had, um, you know, friends who early on when I was sort of dipping into my really heavy drug addiction and they would you know trying to work out you know, how do i bloody get him out of this state and then i, I disappeared completely and they would say to me after i came at the other side like oh, i just you know i wish i had maybe done more we could have, could have prevented it and i'm like no you're not in charge for my journey this is my path that i have but to but take
1: that, if, the, if they're taking ownership they're going to be in a constant state of anxiety which is going to be part of their you know energy that they're sending out their their vibration their frequency and so that that constant state of agitation is going to be picked up by the person and have an adverse effect so if you can now we talk at work about leaning into trust instead of leaning into fear and it's so much harder to trust somebody but when when you give off this unconscious sense of i trust you i trust you're gonna be okay i know you're gonna be okay that's that's gonna help them to grow in more ways and telling them you should do this you should do that i need you to do this
0: stop yeah. being this way stop <laughs> doing that stop crying. stop <laughs> being that way yeah so someone's having a panic attack just calm down yeah. all right <laughs> that's never worked in the history of panic attacks <laughs> stop being so irrational
1: sure i'll just i'll just clear the fog and and get rid of all my distortions instantly
0: and and, i didn't realize it was that easy yeah Yeah. but we all we all we all unconsciously pick up on these very subtle energies and the reason we've got detached from them consciously is because we're so stuck up here you know we're just Mm -hmm. so stuck up in the mind you know and um we all know like if you walk into a room you know, and maybe the, an argument has happened. The argument stopped, but you walk into the room and you kind of you feel there's a tension mm. in the air. There's a tension in there; you could cut the air with a knife. You know, that's just these subtle energies. And the more we kind of come into our into our body and less into our um, narrating mind, we can start to become aware of these energies. I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but. Milton Erickson, you know, the real grandfather of, of hypnotherapy, you know, like he's mm-hmm. the, kind of the king, a lot of hypnotherapy now is based off him. And he had a some sort of disease um, with his motor function when he was younger, mm. and he literally couldn't move or speak. Um, he was fully there. He was you know, conscious and everything, but he was just bedridden for quite a long time, not being able to move or speak. And so his mother and, and his sisters would be coming and visiting him all the time. And so we, when you lose the ability to move or speak, but you're able to still be aware of everything, after a while, he became so aware to these subtle energies, this really subtle body language, and this is what made him uh, a genius because mm. he could. After a while, he said. His sister would walk into the room and tell mother a story and he's sitting there in the bed and he knew he goes, she's lying. She's lying. He said, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. And so once he regained his faculties and became this amazing hypnotherapist, he would have clients come in for the first time, sit in a chair, and he would just look at them and go, okay, tell me what happened with your mother when you were five. And they'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> right? Because he, he had become so attuned because he, he he lost the ability to talk and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he, he became aware of these subtler energies that are always going on. But we, we, yeah, we become
1: That's less. aware of them. That's what the empaths, whether you know, it's not scientifically proven that there are empaths, but the study, the research that has been done is that they have more mirror neurons. Is it, oh, is it mirror neurons that, yep. that reflect and can pick up on all these tiny little subtle things that other minds can't? Yep. Um, and so it sounds like he was probably just tapping into all these mirror neurons that may or may not have been there. Um, and because I, I have it with, I get a lot when I'm doing uh, you know, guided meditations or, or healing work on an unconscious level or whatever, close your eyes, and this is so many times I'll hear people afterwards, I go, it was like you were there with me. It was like mm. you, you were seeing what I was seeing. As soon as I thought it, you said it. And they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, you don't want to say I've got no idea because you, then you sound incompetent. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you also don't want to say, "Well, just through you know the power of my mind," because then you sound a bit woo-woo. So it's, uh, I it's, just go with, I go with in, incompetent.
0: Well, it's a, it's it's it's, a, it's an innate kind of knowing, but you can't explain the mechanism behind it. You can't just say, "Well, it's this, this, and this, and this," but you know, like and and how, how 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 I do it's not important. It's just what it yeah. achieves. Is- yeah, but there's not, like you say, there's no science behind people that are empaths, but there's, I say the same thing. So the highly sensitive person, um, research done by Dr. Elaine Aron, um, and you listeners, you know, you can read her book, The Highly Sensitive Person, or go to her website and there's like, you know, a questionnaire. And so her, her research is showing that around, I think it's 15 to 20% of the population uh what you would classify a highly sensitive person which once again it's the same as being an empath it means that you have a highly attuned nervous system which just means your nervous system is more attuned to the environment so you feel more (laughs) you know you pick up on more than um than than the 80 to 85 percent of of the rest of the public and you'll find that Mm. um the highly sensitive person, you know, there's correlations between addiction, mental illness, you know, trauma, which makes complete sense. Because if Mm -hmm. we're feeling a lot of, you know, heavy emotions, we feel them more, but there's also a correlation between, you know, creativity. So people that become artists, musicians, comedians, therapists, all of that kind of thing, um, which like makes complete sense. And it's interesting as well, because some of her research, as I was reading the book was showing that there seems to be that percentage of highly sensitive Uh, beings in other species as well so i think she was doing it with you know monkeys She was even doing it with i don't know how i think she's doing with insects as well and so she was trying to sort of find the the hypothesis behind why is it why is a certain percentage of the population you know more sensitive or have these highly attuned nervous systems and you know her hypothesis is that it, it it helps the continuation of the species because if let's say if there's a tribe of uh 50 people, right? And so of those 50 people, um, what would that be? What's 15 to 20%, one fifth, 10? might be um highly sensitive then you know at, at night time if I'm, i have a more attuned nervous system i'm more likely to pick up if there's you know a saber-toothed tiger over in the woods in the middle of the night i'm able to pick up if there's maybe a rival tribe or all this kind of stuff so it kind of helps with the the, the survival but you're of that also character. going
1: to be able to pick up i think uh, for me and i haven't read a book but i'm, I'm jumped on a website and i'm definitely going to read it because as a highly sensitive person can i ask people to stop telling me to stop being so sensitive or making it out that it's a bad thing. It's like stop being so sensitive. Sure, I'll just fucking pull my brain out and rip all these <laughs> mirror neurons out. No worries. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's related to EQ. Now, you know, a sign of, I can't remember the quote. It is full of quotes. This one today, but um, uh, uh, curiosity is a sign of emotional intelligence or something. You know, it's uh, ent- being able to entertain something. Hmm. Um, and being highly perceptive, uh, so the four elements in emotional intelligence is self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and then relationship management. And so I think highly sensitive people are very skilled at relationship managing because they're tuned into what other people are doing. They can feel, you know, you feel someone walk into a room and you can feel that they're sad or agitated or upset. So you can then speak to them on that level and, oh, how are you? How are you going? Or, but we can, we're really good at managing conflict conflict as well so we're you know in, in, in the tribe of 50 there's going to be lots of conflict yeah and so the highly sensitive people would probably be the the village elders or the the witch doctors or whatever and the person that people go to to oh well he stole my saber-toothed tiger tooth and well <laughs> you know, gronk give it back you know it's, it's i think gronk. it's <laughs> It's it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, trying to manage um, those relationships.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you you run into this as well because I know that I do. It's like you, this. There's always a two sides of the coin when it comes to everything, and I think when you do have a highly attuned nervous system, you you are very good socially because you can really relate to anyone. Because you can, you, when you and you do it with clients as well, you can really attune to their emotional state, which makes it very um, easy to communicate. But then also you know, we're very good socially, but we can't be in that environment all the time. Mm, drained. <laughs> gets, we are drained. So it's like, we've got to have these, we, we need like the, uh, like Superman, we need a fortress of solitude um, yes. to, to, to go to, to, to recharge. Because otherwise if we just, and, I, and I've run into this in the past because I'm good so, socially. And in the past, I've just been social, social, social. And then I just end up with a burnt out nervous system. I end up with adrenal mm. fatigue because um, there's too much, there's too much um, emotional, uh, you know, navigating and, and that going on.
1: Well, my, my kryptonite is complaining. That's my kryptonite. When when I'm in an environment where people are just complaining all the time, I just, I can feel my energy is being sucked out. And I'm okay. just like, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to get away from this person. They're a lovely person. And yeah, I'm not, not a, a judging him but the constant complaining that the destructive energy and the destructive nature that they're using just really gets to
0: me. And that's, and I think that's a really practical takeaway for listeners. And I always tell this with clients, I'm like, just pay attention to your energy, always have some sort of aware, i call it a dual awareness Have some sort of awareness as to what's going on in here, some percentage of what's going on in all situations, and then just pay attention to that. And then what Mm. you know, you start to notice that when I go and hang out with this person, you know, my energy starts to rise up a little bit. I start to feel quite good. I feel a bit joyful and I leave that interaction joyful and you go, okay, great. I'm going to maybe spend a bit more time there. When I'm around certain people and there's a lot of complaining or that going on, you know, I find my energy start to dip. You know, if I, when I go and do this act, when I go 10 pin bowling, you know, I, I, my energy does this. When I go and play tennis, my energy does this. When I go and do this task at work, my energy does this. And what happens when we pay attention to our energy and we start limiting the things that bring our energy down and doing more of the things or seeing the people that brings our energy up, then we can, I think, create more and more of a better life for our stuff. And we take, like we speak about, we're taking charge of our own, our own happiness and our own inner energy.
1: I've I've had to educate some friends and say uh, I, I'm your friend. I'm I'm there for you, but I'm not there for you in these areas. You know, I'm I'm not the person you come to to just whinge or complain about something because I I, I can't sit there and listen to that. You know, it just it affects me, and you know part of me will be wanting to challenge you on that and to call you out of it because I want to help you out of your suffering. It's just it's just unnecessary to me. So you know, I've got, and the that's bound. Ban- that's,
0: that's that's healthy boundaries.
1: Yeah. So I've got I've got the perfect job in that regard. You know, because um, um, people are coming to me because they want help. They want to be helped out of their suffering. So, um, what was going to say earlier? Uh, oh, so uh, just a tip for listeners is to realise that complaining actually. Damages our brains. So it wires it and damages and halves our brains. So if you're complaining, you're giving yourself literally brain
0: damage. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great one.
1: It's, it's it's so true though. It's like every time you go, "Oh, I can't believe she didn't do that," and blah blah blah, you are giving yourself brain damage.
0: So stop giving yourself brain damage, people. And. On, um people. And, and and I think as well. Yeah, oh, but, it's as easy as that, isn't it, Ryan? It's
1: easy to stop stop giving yourself brain damage. Stop just, having a panic attack. Just, oh, okay.
0: Stop using <laughs> drugs, whatever it is. Just stop. <laughs> just say no, buddy. Ad campaign. Stop, stop being so sensitive. That. Stop being so sensitive. Oh, hang on. Let me let me remove my entire nervous system and put someone else's <laughs> nervous system in there. <laughs> like an organ donor. It's like, can I replace my nervous system, please? Um. What was I going to say? And as well, practical tip for listeners is is think about the boundaries that you have in your life. You know, I think, and especially around family. You know, like a lot of people have this obligation. You know, they feel mm. with with family or certain friends, and it's like you know, sense of duty. A sense of duty, and it's like you know, if you if when you go and see you, and this isn't my case. I love my family; they're awesome. But um, if if you have a family though, which you know, there's dysfunction, and everything, and when you go see them, you feel like shit afterwards limit that doesn't mean you, you can block them out forever or maybe it does in some instances but you just set your boundaries around your energy you don't have to have this sense of duty where it's like no but i have to go there for dinner once a week it's all once a week you're gonna feel like shit afterwards like just you know you, you're the only one or, who-
1: or go there with the acceptance that you're gonna feel like shit but don't have an expectation that you should feel otherwise mm. so if, if, if you really do want to hang out with your family frame it mentally that right The likelihood, based on prior experience, is that um, I'm going to walk away feeling like shit, but I love my family, so I'm just bringing it into the parameters of my acceptance that I'm going to go away (laughs) feeling like shit, and then I'm going to need to recharge and look after myself, but I'm not going to go there with an expectation that I should feel otherwise. Yeah, it's just, I'm going to live in the reality of what is, is that uh, they're going to fucking whinge and complain and I'm going to, they're just going to suck all the energy out of me and I'm going to drive home like four kilometers an hour, just go uh, 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 and then I'm going to get home and just crash and I'm going to have to self-manage the next day, but that's okay because I love my parents and I want to, I want to remain in contact with them.
0: Yeah. So so
1: choose your, choose your path, but
0: consciously choose your path. Yeah. yeah, because you're you're the only one who lives in there in this body, you know, you're the only one in there, you know, and so you gotta take charge Unless of that. Unless you're pregnant. It's not, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I am not, by the way. Um uh so just remember that <laughs> remember that you're in there, you know, no no one else is getting up, you know, feeling your energy and your body for that day, and you've got to really pay attention to that thing. And it's not selfish to do that for those Are not watching. It? For those not watching on YouTube, Nick's Polly and Daisy are having a little wrestle at the front.
1: Oh, Daisy's really got her on the jowl. Which and their sharp teeth, man, she pierced my uh, skin on my oh, really? belly. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Polly, she's just going, yeah, it's good.
0: now it's my turn, I will crush right. you. But it's, it's interesting to watch. Once it gets to a certain point, Polly will go back into that sort of submissive pose on her back or on her side. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to watch them. them inter- I, I, I'll sit there and just watch them.
1: Like, I could watch this for an hour but just because it's, it's. I mean, we're part of nature, but just because it's, it's so um, organic, I suppose. You know, it's just yeah. there's, there's no expectations from Polly that Daisy should or shouldn't do this. There's no monkey brain in play here. It's just, it's just they are so
0: present. Yeah. I actually, I re- a couple of years ago, I wrote a blog about that. Um, about disco about my, my great teacher or something like that was the blog when it was the same thing when my monkey mind was going off I would just sit at home and just watch him for like 20 minutes and it was just great to watch him because it's just it's just present moment is all it is. It's just yeah. beautiful. It's like we're playing with this toy okay and he hears like a car at the front. Who's at the front? Is that, is that Aaron coming home? Oh sweet <laughs> we're going back to this room and that when are we have dinner it's just like it's just it's just pure <laughs> present moment and I would sit there and go, ah oh. and it just makes you question you know, us us believing as human beings that we're such an intelligent life form, oh. and I'm like that. It depends how you define intelligence. Because mm-hmm. is is it, is it mm-hmm. more intelligent me sitting there on a couch at home, you know, ruminating about something that happened or something that's going to happen, or is my dog more intelligent just purely in joy in the present moment?
1: Well, I think animals are more emotionally intelligent than us. So, mm.
0: yeah. That's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful. All right, that's about an hour, mate. We've just rambled on about all sorts of stuff.
1: I know we've just uh, freestyled today, but it's, that's, that's part of the reason why we started this podcast in the first place. Because it was just there was no never any agenda. It was just uh, you and me making time to catch up, and this is just a vehicle for that. So yeah, the listeners have just this is what we'd do, listeners. Without you here, this is exactly how right I would have a chat.
0: Yeah, yeah. I should just press record as soon as we jump on, like we did today. We was, we started talking about the social media and the and the atom bomb, and I'm like, hey, Nick, stop talking. I'll press record. (laughs) (laughs) We were we were going to talk
1: about addiction, and I think we
0: did talk about addiction without talking about addiction. Yeah, I think yeah. Maybe maybe we'll do a deep dive next week, um, into addiction. So let us know. Shoot shoot us a DM on Insta or or let us know, um. You know, Facebook or whatever. If you if you are interested in hearing more about addiction or have any questions about addiction, um, shoot them through, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll answer them all next week. Or if there's there's another topic that you want us to talk about, send it through. we would be more than happy to to talk about that. Anything yeah. to do okay. with it, with this human experience, we're down mm. for. The human
1: experience.
0: It's a funny one.
1: Yeah, who was it that said is they're not afraid of death because it's just like getting out of one car and into another car.
0: Uh, I don't know, but I like that.
1: That's great,
0: isn't it? I, I always like the one as well. Like de- death's like uh, taking off a tight shoe. Mm, You've been wearing a dust, it. isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But he probably yeah, yeah. got it from his teacher. But it's like yeah. you know that that yeah, a shoe that's a bit too tight, and then you just. Ah, take it off
1: yeah people are so afraid of death but it may be the most amazing thing that we'll ever experience so, but he, yeah
0: the, here's the thing it's like we are either... not
1: afraid of death they're afraid of not being with the people they love and having all the things that they've accumulated they're afraid of loss they're not afraid of death itself
0: yeah I think they're also afraid that they've in their perception wasted their life and spent too much of their life in that survival state as opposed to creation because here's the thing What's death is either going to be so death's either going to be nothing right so it's like people are afraid oh it's just going to go black it's like but your consciousness won't be there to see that it's black like like it's gone right so energy doesn't just disappear there's there's nothing to fear there or we go on to some other experience and the energy that animates our body is going to go somewhere else it's going to go back to source it's going to reincarnate it's going to go to a different dimension we don't know so it's a new experience so you're either gonna have this new crazy experience or nothing that you're not going to be aware of. So what is there to be afraid of? Is <laughs> <laughs> afraid of loss. Is afraid of I've accumulated
1: ten houses and yeah. all those materialistic possessions and all these people. And and I'm not going to have that anymore.
0: Yeah. And also, I think I think religion has a lot to answer for, saying that you know there's a possibility that we're going to go to this internal well, damnation I mean. of hell. Like for God's sake. <laughs> pun intended. For God's pun, sake.
1: Yeah, pun intended. But, uh, let, let's let's dive into death in another episode as well. Then. dive
0: into death. Love to. Yes. Oh, awesome. All all right, right, I'm, off this, a skate. I'm off for skates. I'm off for some food. We'll see y'all next week.
1: Yeah. Peace. Don't, don't hurt. Don't hurt yourself skating, Nick. I've got knee pads and a helmet and elbow pads now. <laughs> Emma bought them for me for Christmas. <laughs> can you say,
0: <laughs> Can you send me a picture?
1: I will. Yes of me being responsible yes i will love it love it all right see you everyone Bye.
0: thank you for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five-star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time